Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from thenextreel.com. And I'm Pete Wright, also from The Next Reel. Of course, we are still talking about John Favreau's 2008 film, Iron Man. And joining us again on the show today, we have Heidi Bennett from the Vibrant Visionaries podcast. Hey, Heidi. Howdy ho, I am still here. <laughs> <laughs> another day, another show. <laughs> well, today we are digging into Minute 18, which starts with a horrifyingly long tube and ends with a horrifyingly placed electromagnet. Okay, you guys, that tube. Oh, I, God. Oh. I don't do well with this. This is a minute that I describe as a very experiential minute because yes. I just feel like <laughs> I'm in Tony's head like the whole time all of this is happening and it's just horrifying. This is a horrifying minute. Ugh. Yeah, I think the sound design, the sound, the fully everything, you know, especially the sound to me is really plays a huge part in this. But yeah, the visceralness of I, I, at first I when I was watching this with my husband, I was like, oh, you know, this thing that they're pulling out, this tube he's pulling out of his nose looks so realistic. Do you think it's digital or do you think it's real? And we were saying that seems, but then we realized that, oh, it's probably practical, but it's just, you start with it slightly in his nostril and then you turn it to, you know, I'm assuming behind his nose and he's pulling it, you know, kind of like a magic trick. Is that what you guys were thinking? Yeah, exactly. It's that it's that old trick where you cut to that side shot and you have it probably just coming up a, a feeder that's just on the side of his face. So it pops out right there looking like it's coming through his nostril. It's a it's a brilliantly composed shot and it's the sound design. The the sound design sells it (laughs) in all the worst ways. (laughs) The thing about it, when you look at the at the side shot and if you frame by frame it, (laughs) it they they (laughs) nail it. I mean, whatever you think, however they did it, they nail the part where it actually pulls the tissue of his nose, his nostril and the upper lip like it is. it, It really looks like they. I don't know what is the word when you when you put the thing in the nose like that. Like there's a medical term for that, and you'd think watching enough Grey's Anatomy I, over the years, I would have heard it, uh, but I can't. I can't figure it out. But yeah, I mean, it's just it. It really looks like they did it to him. It is an incredibly terrible practical effect. <laughs> well done. Yeah, in, in the script, they they just call it a nasal tube. A nasal tube. Okay. I don't know if there's a, a better medical term for it, but that's how they scripted it. I'll go with nasal tube. I mean, it makes his eyes water just to, just the right. <laughs> it makes my eyes water. It makes my. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's <sighs> it's horrible. It, it is it is one of the worst things in this film to watch over and over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the lighting in this too. Uh, you really get this idea that it, it that there's just this very minimal natural lighting that they're trying to use, you know, just just enough to kind of see what the guys are doing here. It has a nice harshness to it, which I, I feel works in context of the location, right? It feels like the lights that we're looking at are these practicals, just kind of the the little work lights that are set up around the cave. And uh, yeah, it gives it a great feel, and just kind of the the cold breath and everything uh, really helps. Um, you can, I, I think, actually, one of the people um, uh, had done some research on caves, and and they were looking at footage of uh, caves in the Middle East 
uh, where some of these terrorist cells were hiding, and they kept seeing um, the the fog of their breath, and they realized, oh man, we need to make this set cold um, to really give it that look. And I, I think it helps sell it so nicely. Yeah, it really it reminds me this particular minute with this lighting and the the cold reminds me of John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, oh yeah, there's a good one. Yep. The lighting, and then even with the, you know, we get introduced to his cellmate or his cave mate, and the way that he's shaving, like dry shaving and looking in that mirror, and the mirror's like on this, I guess, load-bearing stump, but that thing almost looks like an organic monster, like a tuber. (laughs) <laughs> it's very the thing right. at the bottom of a giant carrot is what it is <laughs> tuber <laughs> the way that they have it wired up it really does that's so funny I've never, I'm never going to be able to see it like uh, anything else now what you don't know is actually that's what was powering the magnet from this giant <laughs> potato battery <laughs> that's a little known fact you heard it here first <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think what it is is like a, a stalagmite or a like a cave, mm. like a column that they've wrapped in cloth with wire to kind of hold it in place, and then he's used that to kind of hold his mirror in place. But I'm going to go with the tuber now. <laughs> Every time I watch the movie, I'm just going to think of the giant, the giant tuber hanging from the ceiling that they're using for uh, for electricity here. It's perfect. It is just perfect. It actually makes for a really great reveal of the doctor here as he's shaving. You know, it's a it's a nice sort of mysterious. You feel like looking at him through this grimy mirror, like he is, you know, an antagonist for us. Right. That he's he's going to be a guy we, we don't end up liking because he's introduced in kind of a, a scary way. Um, and, and so it's nice that kind of setting the mood, you know, helping you have to question assumptions uh, about the experience we're about to have here. Uh, I, I think it's just really great. I just paused it too. Okay. I'm, I, I paused it at second 29 and we, of course we see the back of his body, the back of his head, but in this second I'm viewing his face in the mirror. Yeah. And because of the tuber, <laughs> and because of the face being a floating head, I think this minute is, a horror movie minute. It really feels like a horror movie. And it also, it, because of the battery and everything, and I'm sure I'm not the first person to, you know, make this connection, but I'm also getting like a, you know, Frankenstein's monster situation here too. That's a, that's a great point. Yeah. And it's an interesting element to bring up. Um, the fact that this is a doctor, as we come to find out, and, and that he kind of did this surgery that basically attached a car battery to, to Tony's chest, as, as Tony realizes. I mean, and he, it, it ends in Tony's horror as he sees what's been done to him. Just like, uh, you know, a Frankenstein monster type of person. He rips the, the bandages off, sees the, the horror below, and just has that horror look on his face as as we come to the end of the minute it's it really is an interesting element and i've never actually thought of this doctor as an antagonistic character watching it but now in context of this minute and what you've just said it is really 
interesting way that they've decided to uh, to introduce us to him. And look at how they use the camera again, too. Right back to that same experience with the camera, you know, that coming back into his body. But now uh, the camera is directly above him as Tony is ripping the gauze. Right. And we have the reveal of the ring in his chest. But the camera, it's not that slow push of just that sort of spirit returning to body kind of angle. It's that uh, energetic and nervous push into the gauze, right, as we get him ripping and, and kind of shredding at his chest to try to see what has happened here. Yeah, that's a good point. To me, it was like a demented Superman. Yeah. You know, because of the reveal, the pulling open of the shirt that could have, could have the S underneath, but instead it's more of a nightmare superhero. I think, th- I think that's what DC is doing next, actually, and the S is a giant <laughs> bloody brand on his chest and it's yeah, they're really trying to lighten it up and i feel like that's the way to go it, this is the introduction uh, we are talking about uh sean tobe i think i don't know if it's tobe or taub um but he is playing uh, dr yinsen uh and this is a character who was introduced in the very first issue of iron man which uh was tales of suspense number 39 um, which the Don Heck, Stanley, and Larry Lieber created this character. He was also a prisoner of Wong Chu. Although, and this is interesting, and it, I think it works well in what we're talking about here. In the comic, Tony is actually imprisoned uh, first all by himself. And then uh, Wong Chu and his men bring Yinsen in and throw him into the cell with Tony on day two as somebody who can help Tony. And in that context of an introduction, it creates a much more antagonist, I mean, protagonistic, friendly character right out of the gate. And I, I so much more prefer what they've done in the film by giving you that sense of doubt. Like, who is this guy and what has he done to Tony? Totally agree. I think that's a, that was absolutely the right choice here. Again, because we're following on the that sort of suspenseful, that horrific mood, we have to carry that mood a little bit longer so that we can watch Tony adjust. And, uh, and you know, in coming minutes that, you know, who knows? We just hope he does. This is a bit from the comic book. This is the introduction to Yinsen. It's it's rough. It was really rough. The The dialogue that they had for these Vietnamese characters this old one, Professor Yinsen, once great scientist, now lowly manservant of Wang Chu, will help you build weapon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Those were the days, okay. I guess. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. But he was, uh, in fact, um, uh, Tony says to him, Professor Yinsen, in college I read your books. You were the greatest physicist of all. Then everyone thought you had died. And Yinsen said, I'd have been better off if I had. I was pressed into slave labor by the Reds. And when I resisted, Wang Chu took me prisoner. Um, I like that Yinsen doesn't speak that way. And I like that this is a guy who is a professor and, as Tony says, was the greatest physicist of all. So it is somebody who really knows his stuff. And I think that is a great element that they've kept in this film, despite the mystery that we just don't, uh, we don't know anything about him right now. And we haven't seen any of these other minutes coming up. So we just don't know. <laughs> I know who knows how it's going to, I do love that we've moved on from this, uh, from, you know, accents being a marker of intelligence, right? That, that the minions have accents, but the educated ones don't like, we, we don't have to deal with that in this movie. Definitely. At least. 
Just as a note, we should mention we were talking about the sound earlier. The sound uh, designer of the film and the re-recording mixer was Christopher Boys. Um, you know, I thought this would be a fun way to when we talk about these different people on IMDb. Uh, you guys can tell me if I'm crazy or not, but to look at you know the the game, the IMDb game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the four movies that Christopher Boys is most known for on IMDb are uh, Avatar. King Kong, the Peter Jackson mm-hmm. one, Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, and Iron Man. So this one did oh. end up in in the top four for his. And rightfully so, for the nose sound alone. For, for that alone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and cinematography, uh, we've, we've mentioned it before, Matthew Lubatique is the cinematographer on this. And his four films, which I think speaks... Uh, quite largely to the fact that Darren Aronofsky is uh, a regular collaborator of his. Black Swan, Requiem for a Dream, Pie, and The Fountain are the films that he's most known for. Not Iron Man. But that gives that dark moodiness of this minute that connects for me. So, yeah. Uh, Anything else in this minute, you guys? For me, the other thing that I noticed, besides the visceral (laughs) uncomfortableness of watching him pull that tube out of his snout, um, is that the when he rolls over and you know to grab a um, a cup and the water and then when he realizes that he's connected to the the battery that's another one that I winced every time that he you know yanked over I was like oh. Ow, ow. <laughs> yeah, don't care for it. And that has a great sound design with it too. When he realizes the the sound, when he that ambient mm-hmm. music kicks in, when he realizes that he's attached to that car battery, it's really it works so brilliantly in its creepiness. Yeah, and and the thing that I'll say is I really concentrated on the sound of this particular minute and the effectiveness of it. And now watching it on mute as I chat with you guys, that's when the horror element really came in for me too. So that's something I think that people who are following along here and joining us on this journey is, as I always like to suggest, you know, watch it, watch these films on the best screen with the best sound you can. And then also if you have headphones and can listen that way, all the better, you know, and then thirdly, check things out without sound and just see what you observe, see what's different without it. There's my recommendation. That's a great point. It's, I mean, it is a medium that people call it a, a visual storytelling medium, but I think that the oral, the kind of the, the audio side of it is so critical. And when you mix all of it together, you really create a, just an amazing world that can sell things so wonderfully or horrifically in the case of this particular <laughs> minute. You know, another thing, and as you were talking and you were talking about the car battery in that moment, it did uh, make me realize that another thing that I think works really well is I think that I've had this built in fear of car batteries, probably because, you know, when uh, my dad was first showing me learning, I was learning about cars and car batteries and how to how to uh, jump a car with a dead battery and all that stuff. And you get the stories about now, don't ever touch these at the same time, or, you know, you can be it'll throw you back the electrical shock will be so intense and all these horror stories of car batteries. And now I am like, I it always goes through my head when I'm like getting the the different uh, things on a car battery to jumpstart it. And just, it's, it's just instinctive terror now, just anytime I'm dealing with car batteries. So I can only imagine the horror of seeing one attached to a thing in my chest. Yeah, right. It's, it's one of those, like, I, I'm the thing I, 
fear the most is the two wires like touching each other. And right. I don't know what would happen. I just <laughs> exactly. have an Im- image that it would be bad. <laughs> totally. Don't cross the streams. <laughs> don't cross the wires. It's there are a lot of things not to cross. You know, I mentioned uh, uh, Sean Tobe and I, I didn't, I, I looked up a little bit about him too. I suppose we should talk about that before we uh, move forward. He is a uh, um, born in Iran to a Persian Jewish family. And then he was raised in England and Switzerland before moving to the U.S. And he was a very busy actor uh, working since the late 80s. He's got 96 credits on IMDb, including, and I didn't know this was happening, a new Snowpiercer TV series. Oh, right. is exciting to hear. Is that upcoming? It seems like I heard about it. I thought it was out. I thought it was already, it had already been released. It's entirely possible. I just didn't even know they were doing it. So I think that is super exciting. Hmm. Uh, It says, when I look at it on IMDb, it just says filming. Interesting. Interestingly, his IMDb top four, he only has three uh, with 96 credits. He only has three that are listed in his top four. And those are Iron Man, of course, Crash, and uh, The Kite Runner. So uh, he's been in some uh, pretty big films. The Kite Runner, that's right. Uh, yeah, it looks like it's, it's slated season one, episode one for sometime in 2019. Snowpiercer, the TV show, you know, if you're keeping up. Yeah, I was just watching. I don't know if you guys caught this on Twitter because I, I listened to Everlasting Minute. That's the Wonka, Willy Wonka podcast. And right, right. Um, they had reposted a tweet that uh, a, a video somebody had made saying that they have this theory that Snowpiercer was the sequel to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And they had all these really interesting, <laughs> really interesting connections. So. Uh, yeah, that, I, I mean, I, when I watched that, I was like, I get what you're saying. So I was just, just, you know, thinking about the, that because, because of that, it was interesting. Wow. I have a hard time connecting that in my head. So definitely. Yeah. Check, check it out. Theory, it's, yeah. He does a, you know, that side by side comparison kind of thing and talks about the different characters and the different motivations of the, the films and, I was convinced. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again for joining us, Heidi. Yeah. Glad to have you along for another episode. Um, where can people find you if they want to track more of uh, the projects down that you're working yeah, on? Yeah. Check out um, Vibrant Visionaries for my current podcast. So we're recording in October and I just got back from Fantastic Fest and I interviewed several directors and I even interviewed Sam Jones, a.k.a. Flash Gordon, and uh, really had a blast. So you can find all sorts of cool interviews, including several film directors and uh, some other interesting people that I met up with at Fantastic Fest. I'm so jealous that you got to go there. I've heard nothing but amazing things about that festival. So one of these days, I have every intention of being a part of it. I definitely think you should. As a film lover, it's absolutely a film lover's dream of a place because they absolutely make sure that every phone is silenced. Nobody can speak in the theaters or you will be ejected from them. And simultaneously, you also get to eat delicious food or partake in some tasty drinks if you'd like as well. So it's, and then you get great sound, great, wonderful Alamo draft house, um, you know, seating and sound and screen. So it's, it's just really a film lover's paradise. Ah, sounds like so fun. great. <laughs> 
All right, everybody. Well, that is it for today's show. Thank you again for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the show for free at marvelmovieminute.com. Join us over in our Discord chat room and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Next Reel. And if you like what we do and you want to support us and get some cool stuff, become a patron over at patreon.com slash thenextreel. Until next time, true believers. True believers.